0: Good Friday morning, everyone. Welcome into the Fumbling Punter. I'm your host, Devin Keeney. And let's get started with, uh, I want to talk about our recording and sound issues we've been having. We've had some problems with skipping. Uh, Last night when Lucas Jones and I were recording our World Baseball Classic preview, we had a lot of issues. I had a lot of issues on Monday as well. And no one is less pleased with that than I am I uh, really take pride in being able to do this. It's a dream of mine that I'm finally getting to live out. And so I've been real disappointed with the uh, sound quality. And today's podcast, the whole purpose behind it is to see if we can keep using the software we're currently using or if I'm going to have to upgrade. Because if I'm going to be doing this, I want to bring a good sound and I want it to be an enjoyable listen for everyone involved. So... I figured instead of just sitting here talking for 20 minutes, I could go ahead and get out a new podcast. So if you guys will bear with me, I think there may have been some user error in our whole problem with the recording and the skipping. So I'm giving that a little bit of a test today. So if you guys have any issues, please let me know on Twitter. Uh, Anyone that's able to contact me via phone, go ahead and do so. Or you, once again, can get a hold of us on Twitter at TheFumblingPunter. Now, let's go ahead and get into a little bit of this Charles Oakley and New York Knicks saga. So, I wrote about this on Thursday. Oakley was kicked out of Madison Square Garden by security after he was confronted and then got into a fight with security. The New York Knicks Twitter account said that he behaved unruly and would be arrested, and they hope that Oakley got the help that he he needs. Today, the Knicks fired the vice president of MSG Security. Why does that matter? Because James Dolan and the New York Knicks are the ones who employ MSG Security. We thought all this was between Oakley and the Knicks and Dolan specifically. So, I don't know what in the hell's going on with the Knicks lately. Uh, They're—we've uh, talked about this a little bit. They're kind of a dumpster fire as an organization. But when you see that on the court, that's one thing. But whenever this starts to spill over, as we saw the other night with Charles Oakley, that brings back or that gets into a whole another realm of organizational dysfunction, which we haven't seen. Or we saw with the Rams and Eric Dickerson early this year. And uh, we all know I'm not the biggest Rams fan since the move. Getting into a little uh, NHL hockey now. The Blues won their third straight on the road last night, defeating the Toronto Maple Leafs 2-1 in overtime. And what a play by Vladdy Tarasenko, in, to in the game last night. That was an awesome play. Blues got a much-needed road win. That is 4 of 5 they've won under head, new head coach Mike Yo. Uh They jumped ahead of Nashville for third in Central Division standings. So they're trying to get up there and solidify their playoff spot. There's still quite a few points behind the Blackhawks in the Wild. But at this point in the Blues season, kind of the uh, bumps in the road they've hit, you're not worried about home ice. You're just worried about getting in right now. Uh, improved goaltending has been a big key. Uh, Jake Allen and Carter Hutton have been pretty bad all year. So for them to come out and play as well as they have have since Yo's been there has been a big key to them winning. Uh, it, looking at some more Blues stuff here, I think that if you're not committed to bringing Kevin Shattenkirk back, then you need to trade him. I understand the team's getting hot. You want to be able to make a run in the playoffs if you do make it there. But if if you're not going to bring him back, you can't let him walk away for nothing. You've got to try to get something out of him, uh, build your organizational depth, You know, maybe get a couple of draft picks, You've got to start doing something because letting guys like Kevin Shattenkirk walk away in the offseason for nothing isn't going to help your organization. Uh, they, When the season went awry, uh, people were talking about trades, and I mentioned on Twitter, who else could the Blues even trade and get something out of? And someone brought up Patrick Berglund. Now... I'm, I'm on the keep-bergie bandwagon right now. Uh, his contract is up after this year, but I'm also a big fan of re-signing him after the season. He's played really well. 14 goals, 7 assists. He's on pace for his best year since 2012. He's uh, 28 years old, so he's not... Yeah, he's got some good hockey left in him, I think. So, I'm not for trading Patrick Berglund. I think they need, because of their lack of centers and their lack of depth at the center position they really need to look at extending him once they get into the offseason so I, that's not a guy that I would look to trade at this point. Uh, I have been really impressed with how well the Chicago Wolves AHL call-ups have played. Uh, Barbashev Augustino, Payarvi. I never thought I would say I was impressed with Magnus Peyarvi after how he looked last year at times but they played really well uh, they've Got some shots on goal. They've been getting the puck towards the net, and that's been big for the Blues. We saw for the majority of the year the Blues were not doing that top to bottom. Another thing that I think that anyone who watches the Blues also loves is this Steen Stasny Tarasenko line. A lot of people have been calling for it all year. Mike Yo looks committed to staying with this line, and it has paid dividends. They have looked really good. I was worried a little bit uh, last night, uh, when I saw Paul Stastny go down, and you know there was really no news around it. Whenever it happened, we didn't know if Stastny was gonna be okay, if this was a minor thing. But it sounds like he's not gonna play tomorrow night in Montreal against the Canadians. But uh, St. Louis Post Dispatch writer Jeremy Rutherford is reporting that this Stastny injury is not being considered serious. So that's big news for the Blues as they're trying to make this playoff push. Uh, Like I said, they do have Carey Price and the Canadians Saturday night in Montreal. That's always a tough test whenever you get a goalie as good as Carey Price. Something that Lucas and I were not able to touch on last night and something I've been really wanting to uh, dig into a little bit without ruining our MLB preview is those Pocotas projections that came out on I believe it was Tuesday. So basically these Pakota's projections are computer simulations and some teams that they loved were the Tampa Bay Rays at 84 and 78, a big win improvement from last year. The Twins at 88, 80 and 82 which is also a big jump for them from last year and then the Dodgers with the most wins in baseball at 98 and 64. I don't know if I buy any of these. I think the Dodgers are going to win the West again. Uh, they've got a lot of depth and a lot of talent. So I, I would pick them to win the West, maybe not at 98 wins on the season. And now this is what I'm sure most of you guys that are listening are waiting for me to tear into. They have the Cardinals projected at 76 and 86. That's a 10-win drop from last season. They're projected. Projecting them to tie at 3rd and 4th with the Brewers in the NL Central. I think that this is just blasphemy. Uh, The Cardinals... Granted, granted, let me say this. If you told me the Cardinals had to go 76-86 and this year to get rid of Mike Matheny, would I take it? Yes, I would. I've never been a big Mike Matheny fan. I did not like whenever they hired Mike Matheny with no experience after Tony La Russa left. I was a big Terry Francona guy. I think that they needed a guy like Francona, who's been around. I was not a fan of the Mike Matheny hire, and he has done nothing to prove me wrong about that in the last five years. I think that 12, 13, and 14 were all years that the Cardinals could have won more World Series, and it was Mike Matheny's mismanagement of his bullpen and personnel that kept the Cardinals from getting a ring in that stretch. Now, I know that we're all happy that the Cardinals were able to get a ring in 2011. They got one in 2006. But when you think about the the bigger picture of baseball, if you have teams three or four years in a row that are good enough to win a World Series and you walk away with nothing, look at the Atlanta Braves, the uh, Glavin, Maddox, Smoltz era Braves, and how many good teams they had and were not able to walk away with more than one ring. I think that that is... The scar on Mike Matheny that I can never get over. The fact that he wasn't able to do more with them. And like I said, I'm going to get into this a lot more during our MLB preview. Those may be some long podcasts, so get ready to dig in and enjoy on those. But I don't think that this is a 76-win team. Uh, they got Dexter Fowler to lead off, add some athleticism on the team, played better center field than Grichik or Wong played. And then they did lose Matt Holliday, but Holliday was hurt for most of the year last year. So I don't think that that's really going to damn them down 10 wins to 76 wins. The Royals at 71-91, I'm also not a big fan of this projection. I don't think that this is the same Royals, teams that, Royals team that won a World Series two years ago. But then that being because they're down to Kelvin Herrera out of their big three in the bullpen that year, which was... Herrera would pitch the 7th, Wade Davis was lights out in the 8th, and then Greg Holland would go mop things up in the ninth. That was one of the best and most fun bullpens I've ever got to watch. Like I said, none of those guys other than Herrera are still there now, so they're taking a pretty big step back in that aspect when then they have the loss of Jordano Ventura. But unless this computer simulation was able to... Uh, determined that the Royals were going to get off to a slow start and go into sell mode before the trade deadline. In that case, I could see them going 71-91, uh, especially if they look to move Hosmer, Kane, uh, or anyone on the pitching staff. I don't know who they could move. They just signed Dan Duffy to that big extension. Ian Kennedy's getting paid a lot of money. So they don't really don't have a lot of movable pieces. I could see them maybe looking to move Herrera, uh, although that really leaves their bullpen without... Without any flamethrowers, and that's going to put them set them back a couple of years. So, if they keep all their pieces throughout the year, Hosmer, Kane, Herrera, I don't see them winning just 71 games. They may not make the playoffs, but that's not a 71 win team. Uh, The last team that I really hate their projections on is the Baltimore Orioles. They had them at 73 and 89. I think Buck Showalter is a good enough manager. To keep this team from going 73 and 89. They may not win 100 games. They may not win 90 games. It's not a 73 win team. These are computer projections. They're no more accurate than the preview we're going to give you. Although our preview will be more accurate. I can guarantee that. We're not going to have... Well, Lucas may have the Cardinals at 76 and 86. I'm not going to. I'm also not going to have the Royals at 71 and 91. With the caveat that they don't... Go into full cell mode. One last thing I did want to hit on is uh, in NBA news last night, the Thunder topped the Cavs 118 to 109. Russell Westbrook recorded his 26th triple double double of the season. Uh, that guy is just the hands-down MVP. He is playing on a whole nother level than everyone, and he's carrying he's carrying the load for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Like no one has done since LeBron James the first time he was in Cleveland. Uh, not to say that some of those guys around him, uh, Adams, uh, the other big, I can't, uh, his name's not coming to me right now, Victor Oladipo. I think that these guys could develop, but right now this is really Russ Westbrook's team. When you look, he got to spend those years with him and Kevin Durant. Uh, so. You know, good for Russ Westbrook, good for Oklahoma City. I think they're sitting at like the 6th or 7th seed in the West right now. But there's a pretty big gap between them and nine, So they will make the playoffs. And, uh, you know, don't count them out. They're not going to make a championship run. Which is what I hate about the NBA. Three teams in the NBA have a chance to win a title this year. Cleveland, San Antonio, and Golden State. And I hate the lack of parity in that sense that, yeah, you could see an upset here or there. But at the end of the day, three teams have the capability of winning a championship. So I'm not saying Oklahoma City is going to make a run towards a title, but they could make a splash in the playoffs. Maybe upset, you know, either Golden State or, or San Antonio, maybe even the Clippers. So I think that they'll be a fun watch in the playoffs. So I'm really looking forward to that. Another note from that game last night is LeBron played over 40 minutes again. Uh, he's been in the league too long, played too hard, put too many minutes on his body. There's no need for him to be playing 40 minutes a game, every single game during the regular season. That's just, it's dumb to me. You're the guy that is going to win your team a championship. Granted, Kyrie and Kevin Love are pretty good. They got some good, solid role players around them. But if you're LeBron, you can't be playing 40 minutes a night on 32 year old legs and expect to make a good be fresh for a big run into the playoffs. So as far as that goes, I think that LeBron needs to take a step back. They don't have to win every single night. Even if the Celtics would somehow overtake them for the one seed in the East, it doesn't matter, you know? It's the East. Nobody's going to challenge them in the Eastern Conference playoffs. Play 25-35 minutes a night. Get some rest. Get ready for the playoffs. Quit complaining about everything. And that's, that's it. Don't play 40 minutes a night and yell for help. It's the Eastern Conference. Win 50 games, 45-50 games. Get one of the top two seeds in the playoffs and Cruise. Cruise through the Eastern Conference playoffs, get ready for San Antonio or Golden State. So that's all I got for you guys today. If you'll if you all will pay attention to Twitter tomorrow, Easy E at Deckman, David Eckman on Twitter is going to shoot us some gambling lines for tomorrow's college hoop games. We will get those up for you guys shortly. And I believe he's sitting at 13 and 8 on the season so still winning everybody money but after his bad one and two showing last weekend he uh is getting a little bit closer to the 500 mark now to be fair to him i thought that arkansas or minus eight at mizzou was a blood bank guarantee so i can't get on to him too much about that so we'll see what Eggman has for us on saturday thank you thank you all for listening uh it's been a been fun. This is our 12th podcast. I'm really fortunate. We've had a lot of listeners picked up steam this whole time. I hope that the uh, sound quality issues, which seem to have fixed themselves today, I think that may have been a user error on my part. I really do apologize to you guys. Like I said, sound quality and listening quality is very important to me. So thank for thank you guys for sticking with us. This has been the Fumbling Punter Show. I'm Devin Keeney. Give us a fo- follow on Twitter. At Fumbling Punter. Thank you guys. Have a good weekend.